Well, welcome to worship at Providence Church. My name is Jacob. I'm so thankful to be able to join in this time with you. You know, um, I'm learning to not take for granted that we are able to worship together in this way. So just super happy to join with uh, people that join with us in worship all the time, and some of you may be uh, stopping by for the first time. So welcome to worship. We're so glad that you're here. I've actually have some good news that I want to tell you. In a, in a time where we're hearing lots of bad news and lots of uncertain news, and we've acknowledged that here, and those things are true, uh, there's also a movement of sorts where people are talking about good news. I don't know if you've seen John Krasinski. Uh, you may know him as Jim from The Office, and he started this thing just at his house sharing some good news, and it's caught on, and many, many people are sharing good news, and that's sort of what we do here too. So I thought I would share with you just some good news for today, some good things that are happening uh, with people in Providence Church and all around. Some of you may have, uh, if you go to church here, may know or have seen Sandy Jones. Sandy's a, a wonderful person. A few years ago, Sandy uh, was struck with a terrible condition called transverse myelitis. And what that left Sandy with was it left her unable to walk. Uh, again, if you go to church here, some of you know Sandy as a fighter. And so you know that she went from uh, being bound to her bed, then to a wheelchair, uh, then to a walker, and then to some braces, and has been a part of worship here. You may not know that a couple of months ago, she got a new service dog, and the service dog's name is Lady Ripple. I have a picture of her, and this dog is enormous. <laughs> like, this is a huge dog. Uh, Lady Ripple has actually been here to Providence before uh, we, we shut down our, our on, on-site services, and this is a big dog. But what's so cool is that Sandy can use Lady Ripple just with her hand on her back, on her neck, to, to walk around, and it's just been super cool to see their relationship form. And some good news that I experienced on Easter, some of y'all know a, a dance party uh, broke out on Easter Sunday, led by yours truly, and Sandy sent a video, I want you to see it, of dancing with Lady Ripple on Easter Sunday. You'll remember that uh, at the end of the service. Uh, Cremaine led us in a great song, and so they got down and danced, and uh, yeah, just there's some good news for you. Here's some more good news for you. Some of you have heard me talk about Gracie and Roxanne. Now, Gracie and Roxanne, I tell stories about them regularly because they're sort of like the most dynamic duo that I've ever uh, encountered. Roxanne is a single mom, and Gracie is a 12-year-old dynamo who has grown up in this church. Uh, Gracie has... Um, is, is unable, though, to communicate in, uh, verbally. So if I talk to her, she's usually using an iPad to express some emotions. The cool thing is Gracie and Roxanne, though, they can communicate perfectly, no problem. And throughout this uh, time of quarantine, Gracie has been checking on me. Uh, that's the good news I wanted to tell you is that Gracie's thinking about her church, thinking about her pastor. One night, she asked her mom if, if she could FaceTime with me before bed as they have their prayer time together. So I've been able to FaceTime with Gracie. And I bring it up today because this week uh, they surprised us and showed up in my driveway, uh, Gracie and Roxanne and Tamika, one of the folks that uh, helps out with them. And they brought me banana bread <laughs> in my driveway and we were able to talk together and even pray together. So I wanted you to know Gracie and Roxanne are doing well, but more than that, the children of our church, the young people of our church, they are inspiring others and lifting others up. You may have also heard about the Mask Brigade. This is a group of ladies in our community in Mount Juliet who've sort of felt helpless. Uh, I don't know if you felt that way, but in the midst of uh, quarantine and not being able to leave your house, uh, there were some folks feeling like, what can I do? And they heard of a need for masks, uh, specifically at Sumner Regional Hospital, which you may know is one of the hardest hit 
hospitals in our area. So they began to make masks for Sumner Regional, and then that led to Centennial Hospital and St. Thomas West and Skyline. And this group of folks has made over 3,000 masks. And they're still making more, and they're still needing more. In fact, if you're, if you're interested in that, if you think that's cool, you can email them at MJ, like Mount Juliet, MJMaskBrigade at gmail.com. That is some good news. Here's some more good news. Morgan Little, uh, who is the daughter of, of Sharon and Mike Little, uh, she ran her first half marathon this last weekend. So she was scheduled to run in one of those big races, but it got canceled. But Morgan stuck with her plan and ran the half marathon. Her dad was riding alongside on a bike. Morgan was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when she was four years old. She's 25 now. And so for her to run a half marathon, well, it's like um, it's an exact science. It takes a ton of grit, a ton of de- de- determination. Just one thing goes off and the whole run could be derailed. But Morgan completed 13.1 miles. She actually has um, a pump and a link device that she's programmed herself. She's a pretty smart lady. Uh, to act as a, uh, like a synthetic pancreas while she runs, and she was able to complete her first half marathon. Here's a video of her mom, Sharon, uh, giving Morgan her medal. <laughs> so cool. The medal was actually one of Sharon's marathon medals that she had, and she was able to give that uh, to Morgan just in a super cool moment, like, way to go, Morgan. Super strong. Thank you for lifting us up. If we'd been able to meet in person, I probably would have already told you about Beck Phelan. Uh, Beck was a junior at Wilson Central High School, and at the end of January, he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. So his whole junior year changed in an instant. In fact, his first uh, chemotherapy treatment at Vanderbilt happened, and then five minutes later, he got done at midnight, and then five minutes later, they moved him out into the hallway in a bed, and the tornado came through Nashville. So, I mean, it's just like been one thing after another. And so this whole pandemic, right, uh, you know, they've been going, he and his mom, I got a picture of Amy and and Beck uh, going to get uh, treatments together. Uh, Things have been difficult for folks still getting treatment, masked up, gowned up, only one parent, but they have kept their head up. And here's, here's some good news for you. Amy texted me this week, Beck's mom, and she said, tomorrow, Monday, could be Uh, Beck starting his last treatment of chemo, that the cancer has shrunk. And so the reason I'm telling you this today is would you pray with me that Beck's cancer would be gone? Like I'm picturing you right now. I can't see you, but I'm picturing you like in your house. If you just like be like, yeah, I'm in. I'll pray for Beck's cancer to be gone. I've got my bracelet on. It says Beck strong. And so we are believing in some more good news for Beck as we go through this. I love this family. Uh, Amy posted this picture on social media. His mom, she's taking uh, Mylanta shots because she's just like, this is a stressful time. And I love just how real they are and how out there they are and how they're putting themselves out there. And so feeling family, we're just saying to you, you are brave, you are strong, and Providence Church is behind you. We have been giving food out right out of the east wing of Providence Church. It's filled with food, pallets of food. Pastor Regina has been leading us in that. I just wanted you to know some really good news is happening. Principals and guidance counselors from our public schools come and fill up their cars and drive to students' home and take them groceries. That's some good news. Some more good news for you is the Benevolence Fund at Providence Church is continuing to, uh, to share funds with people in our community. I don't know if I've told you about this fund, 
but 12 years ago when our church was started, we put together a group of people and called them the finance team to oversee the finances of our church. Really, we were just trying to figure out how to pay our initial bills, but there were some guys on that team, uh, Brian, John, Kevin, and they decided that we would set up a fund that we would fully fund every quarter to make sure that people in our community had money for the things that they need when they encounter hard times. Well, I'll tell you this, for every quarter for 12 years, we funded that fund, but this quarter we've had to put more money in it than we ever have before. And I just wanted you to know that through your generosity, there are people in this community that still have their home, that are still uh, living in their apartment, that the light bill is still on. That is some good news. But here's the deal. Uh, Some good news that Jesus has to share with you, maybe some of the best news that you could ever hear is Jesus saying, the way to blessing, the way to joy, the way to true riches in your life is not the way you thought. Jesus said stuff like, blessed are the poor in spirit. You hear what he's saying? He's saying, those of you who feel like you're just barely hanging on on the inside, you get the blessing. Blessed are those who mourn. Like, blessed are those who are grieving right now. Those of you who are hurting right now, Jesus says, you get the blessing. It sounds sort of like Oprah, right? You get the blessing, you get the blessing. But Jesus was first. Like, Jesus, first Jesus, then Oprah, you get the blessing. And what I have to tell you today, this may be the best news you hear all week. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. The meek are the gentle ones, the humble ones, uh, the lowly ones, the considerate ones. I don't know. You know, we were talking about some folks that might have every reason to feel low, like Sandy, whose whole life got changed when she wasn't able to walk. Or, you know, think about Beck, whose junior year changed big time, like a lot of y'all's school years got changed. Or, or Morgan, you know, who's had to test her blood sugar multiple times a day since she was in preschool. Or like Roxanne and Gracie. As I say those names, though, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, those are the strong ones. <laughs> You're thinking like me, like, those are the strongest people we know. You're telling me they're meek? Yeah, yeah. Meek does not mean weak. Meek can easily be confused with weak. It rhymes, for one. But when we think of the humble or the gentle or the lowly, it's just, a, for us, usually a, a few short steps before we, t- we make them out to be a weakling, right? But what Jesus does in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount is he takes us a totally different direction when talking about the meek, when talking about the gentle, when talking about the humble. Here's an interesting thing. There's only two people in the Bible who are described as meek. Two people. The first one is Moses. Now, when you hear the name Moses, even if you don't know that much about Moses, you've probably heard enough to think Moses is not weak. Moses, you might even think Moses doesn't seem meek. Well, let me tell you a bit of Moses' story. Moses was born into a slave family as a baby boy at the precise time when you would not have wanted to be a baby boy being born into a slave family. The reason is, there was a, let's say, opposite of meek king who had just issued an edict that every baby boy should be thrown into the Nile River. Moses' story started in Egypt. And so, everybody knew that the slave baby babies, boys were supposed to be thrown into the Nile River. So here's what Moses' mom did. She threw her baby boy Moses into the Nile, but she threw him into the, into the Nile in a basket she'd prepared that she'd covered in pitch and tar. And so in a heartbreaking but life-saving moment, 
She placed her baby into the Nile River, and he floated away. But then Moses was pulled out of the water. In fact, that's what Moses' name means. Literally, the name Moses means pulled out of the water. Moses was pulled out of the water by the daughter of this king. The daughter of the Pharaoh saves the baby and brings Moses to be raised in the house of the palace. I don't have time to tell you all of Moses' story, but quickly, Moses gets in big trouble because he ends up killing a taskmaster who was, who was acting in, in a bad way, but it didn't justify what Moses did, and so he had to run, a fugitive. And Moses ends up in the wilderness. While he's out in the wilderness just running from everything, running from life, God finds him there in a burning bush and says, Moses, you're the one I'm going to send back to Egypt to free my people from slavery. And Moses says, "Uh, actually, there's a few reasons I can't do that. I'm a fugitive, convicted murderer. Have you heard about my speech impediment? Moses gives him every reason to say, I am definitely not the one who can do that. And God says, you definitely are the one I'm going to use to do that. And Moses goes back and frees the people from slavery. Moses is the one that leads him across the Red Sea. Moses is the one that goes to the top of Mount Sinai and gets the Ten Commandments. Moses is the one who talks and meets with God face to face. Moses becomes known as the greatest, most powerful leader, the deliverer of the people of God. Moses is that one who who leads them out. In fact, they set up a celebration once a year, every year to remember that God used Moses to deliver them. It's called the Passover. But here is how Moses is described in the scriptures. Listen to this. Now, the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Moses was meek. That last line means Moses was the meekest of the meek. He's the meekest dude you would ever meet. Meek does not mean weak. The other person, I said there were two, the other person in the Bible who we are told is meek was also, it's crazy, born into a time when an opposite of meek king had issued an edict that all the baby boys of a certain uh, nation would be killed. This was Jesus. Jesus was born in a time just like Moses. And here's what's interesting. The way that Jesus' parents saved Jesus was to rescue him and take him to Egypt. And so Moses, for his story to happen, for Moses to be the rescuer, he had to come up out of Egypt. And for Jesus to be the rescuer that he would be, he had to come up out of Egypt. Moses' story was about a rescue and escape from a powerful king. Jesus' rescue was conquering (laughs) sin and death. But just like Moses, every time Jesus did something powerful, it was also seen to be connected to something that was meek, something that was gentle, crazy. Like when Jesus finally was noticed as king riding into the city of Jerusalem, he was on a donkey. And the people said, see our king? Meek, riding on a donkey. Jesus conquered sin and death, and the way he did that was by giving up his own life. Jesus would never be described as weak, but meek all the time. Gentle, that was how Jesus acted. Humble. Meek can't mean weak. It actually, we see, takes great strength to be meek. It takes strength to be meek. The weak ones, those are the ones of us who have to puff ourselves up and pretend that we're great and strong, but we know it's just a game of pretend. The meek ones know they are strong. They know they are strong because they've been rescued and they still remember it. That's one of my definitions of meek. The meek are those who've been rescued and know it. Moses walked around, and every time anyone saw Moses and said, hey, Moses, here's what Moses heard, pulled out of the water, 
You know, anytime you heard his name, what he heard, it was pulled from the water. Every time his name was, was said, he had to think, had it not been for my brave mom, who was willing to risk her life to save mine, reminds me of people like Amy and Roxanne and Sharon. Every time Moses heard his name, he thought, had it not been for my mom, I wouldn't be here. You know what that makes you? That makes you humble, meek, and really strong. When God showed up to Moses out in the wilderness in that burning bush, you know, here's what he said to Moses. He said, pulled from the water, pulled from the water. Moses, he called out to him, and he said, you're going to be my spokesperson. And Moses says, I stutter. How can I be your spokesperson? And God says, that'll keep you meek, but you are the one that I am going to use. Meek people have been rescued from something, and they know it. In fact, it gives them a power that's greater than any power that they could have on their own. We picture the meek as timid, you know, quiet as a mouse. That's not what it means. Moses was known to raise his voice, Jesus, after he got off that donkey, he made a whip from cords and turned over some tables in the temple because he was not a happy camper that the people of God in the temple were taking advantage of those who were poor. The word meek actually in the Greek, um, the, the way we find it in Matthew chapter five, the word meek in the Greek describes a way of being angry, but in the right way. Isn't that interesting? I found a quote from Aristotle, the philosopher. And he defined meek as the halfway point between recklessness on this end and cowardice on this end. So the meek one, uh, Aristotle said that being meek is the golden mean between two extremes. We don't let our anger take us to recklessness, but we also don't cower in fear. The meek one gets angry, but they get angry against the right person in the right way and for the right length of time. On quarantine, I have found a few times that I have gotten angry against the wrong person in the wrong way for the wrong length of time. Anybody else? You know, I've wondered, why am I snapping at my wife or at my kids when really I'm just tired of Zoom calls, hard decisions, and I'm tired? The thing is, is you can get angry. Jesus got angry. Moses got angry. But when you aren't meek and get angry, you end up looking like the thing Jesus rode into Jerusalem on. I'll admit, I've resembled a donkey a few times during this quarantine because I haven't remained humble and I haven't been gentle in my heart. I haven't been meek. So what do we do? You know, this is where we get to that place. It's like, Jesus, any help here? And the answer is Jesus has some help for us here. It's really cool. Jesus self-describes himself as meek in one place. And I think it's exactly what we need to hear if you found yourself uh, acting or feeling like a donkey in the midst of this. Maybe you're just saying, I'm struggling right now. You know, all this sounds great, but I'm struggling right now. I'm tired right now. I am worn out right now. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, that's the word meek, and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The meek king calls us close and gives us a promise. What's the promise? Rest. The meek one helps us to be meek. Hear what he said? Take my yoke upon you. We don't have to live where we act like we have it all figured out. We don't have to pretend that we have a power that we don't really have. We can be meek because Jesus is meek. He gives us the example and says, take my yoke upon you. I'd say this to you today, submit 
your life to Jesus. Submit your life to the meek, strong king. Find out what that means for you today to submit to Jesus. Maybe that means submitting your business that you're worried about. Maybe it just means submitting your worry. Maybe it's submitting some anger that you have. Some of us, even as we are, you know, are at church right now watching this, are festering with anger in our hearts as we sit on our couch. What would it be like to submit that to Jesus, to take his yoke upon you? If you're really looking for something practical, a way to meekness, I would say this to you. Meekness is found on your knees. That meekness is found in prayer. That's where we get our heart set. That's where we get our mind set. And so the meek one gets up off her knees and she says, I'm going to try to listen carefully to those around me. The meek one gets up off his knees and he says, before I speak, before I post this, let me listen, let me think, let me pray, let me ask God. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I almost forgot about the promise (laughs) that you get to inherit the earth. And you might be thinking, what does that mean? I wondered about that this week too. Well, here, earth, inherit the earth, it just means to inherit the land. And it's clearly, clearly a connection that Jesus is trying to make in his words here to an old song that he would have known as a boy growing up. There's, there's, a, there's a song, Psalm 37. You'll see why I say it's a clear connection. Here it is. I'll show it to you. Psalm 37, verse 11 says, the meek will inherit the land. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What it's talking about here in Psalm 37, no mistake, is the promised land. The people of God knew that they would get to inherit this land, and that would be the land of peace and prosperity. That's where Moses was leading the people. Moses was leading them to the promised land. Well, Jesus is saying, hey, guess what? I've got a promised land too. I'm leading you somewhere too. Where, Jesus? What's going to happen there? Peace, prosperity, and rest. I don't know if I know how to convey this in words, you know, in a, in a sermon where I'm looking at a camera in a room that is empty with only a little light flickering to let me know of the possibility that somebody might be on the other side of it. But here's what I've been praying. I've been praying for this moment right now that the Holy Spirit and the Spirit could, the way the Spirit could work in time and in space could in this moment come into some people's hearts and give them the promise of Jesus that is rest. That, that God could just speak to you right now a word of rest and a word of peace. And, and you may think like, I, I, don't need, I don't even get all this stuff. I don't understand the Bible all that much. I don't understand the connection between Psalm 37 and Matthew 5. There's a lot of distractions going on. Like my kids are running around the room right now. My husband is breathing through his nose and it's making that noise that drives me crazy. In fact, my husband drives me crazy. I've lived in seven weeks and I haven't been able to leave. You know, I don't know what it is that is distracting you, but I'm praying that God could come and break through the distractions and you could hear Jesus' promise saying to you, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus is saying, for I'm meek and I'm humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Let me pray this prayer over you. Oh, Jesus, meek, strong king, we submit to you. Come now and give us this promise. Amen. At this time, we'd love for you, uh, if this is available for you, to 
take some bread and juice, or maybe some crackers and water, something that could represent to you in a moment Christ's body and Christ's blood. You see, there was this time with Jesus' disciples on the feast of the Passover when they were remembering Moses, that Jesus came and he took bread and he took juice and he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. So in the same way Moses' Passover helped them remember a time when God rescued them, Jesus was showing them that that very night he would do the thing that would be necessary to bring them the great rescue and to take them into the promised land of peace and prosperity and rest. So as we hear this next song, as you sing along with with Jenny and our band, uh, take a few moments and let the Holy Spirit, we're gonna be praying the Holy Spirit comes and creates a moment for you to share bread and juice with who is there with you um, in a way that invites Jesus into your home. Maybe you're sitting there right now by yourself. I still invite you um, because you're not alone, okay? to take some some elements and, and receive them as a way of receiving Jesus. So let's commune with God in this time.